0: All right, it's Christmas time. Woo! I'm Jeff Hosey. I'm one of the pastors here, and I get the distinct pleasure of kicking off our Christmas series this year. If you've been around the last few months, we've been doing something called Daring Faith. That's what Jeff was talking about earlier today. If you're not familiar with that, Daring Faith is still the commitment of our church for the next three years and for the future. But as we do each year, we're taking some time to dig into the Christmas story together because there's a whole lot we can learn from it. We're calling our series this year, Christmas Remixed. And I want to talk a little bit about why. I think we can all admit that over the years, Christmas has become more and more of a lot of things, right? There's more time, there's more money, more commitments and expectations. And in all those things, just a little bit less and less of Jesus, the reason for the season. But I think if there was ever a year, we could say things got remixed. It was 2020, wasn't it? Like the money for presents isn't necessarily there for everyone. The travel isn't happening. The parties aren't happening. And in the void left by all these things that we thought were really good, we're left with a lot more time for introspection. For some of us, a little bit too much. Stuck at home, right? But we start to remember again why we do this. We start to remember again what Christmas is about. And I want to look at the Christmas story through the eyes of a guy named Simeon today, a character we don't always look at. Through the eyes of what you'll see is a satisfied old man who lived a life led by the Spirit and got to meet the Savior. Let's read that together. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 today, starting in verse 22. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Let's start at the beginning. Why is this happening at all? Why are they taking him to the temple? Well, on the eighth day, a child would have been circumcised. And then there was about a month more that they had to wait before they could go to the temple and offer a sacrifice. Uh, This is some of that law that we see in the Old Testament, this idea of cleanliness and uncleanliness. She would have been considered unclean uh, for about 40 days. And just to clarify that real quick, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament stuff, that doesn't mean she did anything wrong. That doesn't always necessarily indicate sin, but there was a time that they had to wait and be obedient before they went to the temple. Now, this sacrifice they could offer would be either a lamb or a couple doves or a couple pigeons, as we see in the story. And we know that Joseph and Mary certainly weren't wealthy because they offered the sacrifice of the birds. But I think it's important that they did. You know, in a world where so many people would have simply said, I can't do it, Joseph and Mary offered that sacrifice, even though it was the lesser sacrifice. And I think Luke shows us this to show that Jesus was brought up in the proper way in regards to the law. You know, Joseph and Mary did what they did to be faithful and to fulfill the prophecies laid out. Let's talk a little bit about the context of where this is in the Bible. So we know it's in Luke chapter 2. And this is right after the the birth of Jesus. So in Luke 2, this is the one we read a lot sitting around the Christmas table. Joseph and Mary travel to Bethlehem. There's no room for them in the inn. And the angels are singing glory to God in the highest in front of some very surprised shepherds. Now, if we jump ahead about 17 verses, we see the story of Jesus in the temple at 12 years old. Joseph and Mary leave to travel back home and a ways down the road realize Jesus isn't with them. They run back frantically trying to find him, and they find him in the temple sitting with the teachers, and he says, Didn't you know I would be in my father's house? And right in between those two stories that we know pretty well, there's these 17 verses, and some of that talks about a man named Simeon. And I think it's important to remember that we've got something important to learn in these verses because Luke moves through the Christmas story very rapidly, and to give this amount of real estate to something— Means there's probably something we can learn. Let's talk about the man of Simeon for just a moment. So we know he was probably an old guy. The Bible doesn't list his exact age, but it says he's been waiting for a really long time. And he's probably got a long beard because Jewish men didn't cut their beards, and it's probably white because he was old. So we've got an old guy with a long white beard. It's Christmas time. He's not Santa Claus. (laughs) But it makes you wonder how Santa's gotten higher billing than the guy right here in the middle of the story we read every year. And though we don't have a physical description of him, we do know a little bit about Simeon. It says Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Now we're given a description, not physically, but spiritually. We know the kind of man he was. We know he walked closely with God. Remember in First Samuel 16, it says, uh, "Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart." And we can see that this guy's heart is dedicated to God. Now there's also this little phrase in here that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Basically that means he was waiting for the Messiah, for the one that would come to console the hearts of the Jewish people. And Luke's really trying to show us here that that Simeon's a good Jew. You know, he follows all the things laid out in the law and he waits for the promised Messiah even when a lot of people weren't. It's like today. Not every Christian is perfect and not every Jew was devout, but Simeon was. He was waiting for a hope, he believed in something that was coming, and it shows us in verse 26 why that was. It says, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. So Simeon's standing in the temple. There's people coming in and out, and he's saying, Lord, you, you led me here. What is it I'm waiting for? So Let's imagine this temple together for a moment. I don't know what you think when you think temple, but it is big. And there's a lot of people there. There's kids running around, there's sacrifices being offered, there's sights and sounds and smells, and in the midst of all that, Simeon hears the Holy Spirit say, hey, there's the one. There's the one that you've been waiting for. You can just imagine this. Simeon runs over and says, hey, my name is Simeon, nice to meet you, can I hold your baby? <laughs> a little awkward. We just had a baby three weeks ago, and this, that's about right. It's usually how it goes. But I love it, Simeon was so confident in the leading of the Holy Spirit that in the midst of all the busyness and all the distractions, he'd been walking with the the Spirit so closely that he had no question. He went up and said, I know, you're holding the Messiah. And I can't wait to meet him. I've been waiting a really long time. It'd be easy to gloss over sort of the Holy Spirit side of stuff, in all this, but I think it's one of the most important things because remember, Simeon got to meet the Christ child. He got to meet Jesus because of this relationship that he had with the Spirit. And if you're writing things down, this is an important one. We, the first thing we take from him is that we need to be sensitive to the Spirit. There's a pastor, J.D. Greer. He says, Many Christians think that the Holy Spirit is like your pituitary gland. You know it's there, you're glad you've got it, you don't want to lose it but you're not exactly sure what it does. I think that's true. Let's get real for a second. Do you believe the Holy Spirit still does things like that today? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit still speaks into your life if you ask for it, that he still leads you in his direction? How's this one? Have you ever followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life and something good came out of it? an uncomfortable conversation you didn't want to have, but then you got to talk about Jesus or maybe a a time when you were going to be irrationally generous. You felt like you should have done it as many people did last week only to have things work out. Here's the flip side. Have you ever ignored the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Those times that we know we're supposed to do something and we don't. I've done it. We all get really good at that. And I wonder what we miss out on because we don't listen Remember, Simeon only got to meet Jesus after these years of waiting Because he followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit In Galatians 5.16 it says But I say walk by the Spirit And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh Remember that a life led by the Spirit is not a one and done process That's why we have this idea of walking, right? It's step by step Day by day Decision by decision Because in those small decisions that lead to the larger, scarier decisions, when we commune with the Holy Spirit more closely and be more sensitive to what he's saying, it gets easier. But again, this works the other way too. When we ignore those small things, they lead to larger things, and that ultimately causes a separation. And I wonder what we miss out on because we don't listen. And Simeon asked for this. This was a common Jewish prayer uh, for Jewish people. They would say, Lord, let me meet the Messiah in my lifetime. But Simeon got to because he waited, because he trusted over the years and years and decades. He trusted God and he followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's the second thing I think we learned from his story. It's that we need to trust God's timing because it's rarely the same as ours. In Ephesians 1.11, It says, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for He chose us in advance, and He makes everything work out according to His plan. Every year, we get reminded in this Christmas story of what Simeon believed unwaveringly that in a world where it's really easy to make promises and even easier to break them, we have a God that is really good at keeping His. And there's a danger when we read this or anything else in the Bible because we say, of course everything worked out right. Of course he was patient. Of course he got to meet the Messiah. Of course, of course, of course, because he's in the Bible. But the Bible is full of regular people like you and me who did great things for God because of the amazing faith that they had. Because of that, he got to meet baby Jesus. So he runs over, he's holding baby Jesus, and then Simeon speaks this beautiful passage. Uh, Our Catholic friends, if you have a Catholic background, this is known as the nuke dimittis. That's the Latin beginning to the song, and he starts this way. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Let's be clear about what he's saying. I'm ready to go. I'm done. Nothing's going to get better than this, man. I've been waiting my whole life. I got to meet the Messiah. Take me home. Can you imagine that kind of satisfaction with the gospel in your life? That kind of satisfaction with a daily encounter with Jesus where you say, man, the things of the world don't matter to me anymore. Yeah, no, I could keep all that money and go on vacation, but I'm going to bless somebody. You know, Christians, we get to do things like that because our satisfaction comes from something greater than the things of this world. He moves on For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And you note that Jesus comes for two people groups here, and they're both very important. You know, Jesus comes as the one that the, the Jewish people have been waiting for forever. The, the one who was prophesied, who would create a new way. But in the same time, the thing that matters to you and me, the Gentiles, is that he came as a light for us to bring us into the fold in a way that never would have been possible before. Verse 30, if we jump back a little bit, he, he clarifies that. He says, "'For my eyes have seen your salvation.'" That person of Jesus was salvation embodied. Because remember, salvation is not something you do. Salvation is someone you know. And this is the person that Simeon is getting to meet now. In Acts 4, it tells us, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And now Simeon turns To Mary and Joseph, we're still in Simeon's Psalm. And he says, the the, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. I have to imagine they were marveling a lot, right? So far, Mary's heard from Joseph's dream, from the angel Gabriel, from Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, from the prophecies of Zechariah, and they're still having their minds blown, and I think that's completely appropriate. (laughs) Can you imagine raising the Messiah? Then Simeon gets a little bit heavier. He says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Saying this baby is going to be the most loved and the most hated person of all time. And boy, if that isn't still true today. Because this little baby, Jesus, He was the visible proof of what God said he would do. And while he's the the rock that we cling to, the light that we look to, it's just the opposite for those that have not accepted Jesus. And if you don't believe me, go to Walmart after this. Start talking about Jesus. See how many people are indifferent. What you believe about the person of Jesus ultimately says where you stand with God. And Simeon sees this. He says, your baby's going to be polarizing. History changes right now forever because of the child that you're holding. And that's because Simeon didn't just see a baby. Simeon saw King Jesus. That's where it comes to you and me. Do you recognize that, that king in your life? Or let's put it this way. Do you live as though you serve King Jesus? You know, we tend to divide the world into church people and not church people. be honest, you consider yourself to be one of those. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. Generally pretty good. I feel like I should be here. Maybe some of you got dragged in here for the first time today, or you feel like you're still sort of sneaking in under the wire. Like, man, if they find out who I am, they're gonna kick me out. But that's wrong. It's not church people and not church people. It's people who've decided to follow Jesus as their Savior and people that haven't. You want to talk about church people? Jump forward. Jesus was crucified by some very devout church people who did not accept Him as their Savior. Because Simeon didn't see a prophet, he didn't see a a fad, he didn't see one more option for religion. He saw this light that was to come. He saw the Redeemer, he saw the Consoler, he saw the Waymaker. The light for all of us, and the one that would change history from there forward. You know, if there's ever a time that we let our imaginations run wild with potential, I think it's Christmas time. You know, we imagine those things under the tree. We look forward to the new year and all the things we think that we're going to do, or all the, the wonderful potential that's coming. So I want to use those imaginations. For just a moment to think about some things together. Can you imagine a life like Simeon? A life where you're so clearly led by the Holy Spirit that you don't worry about it. So clearly led by the Holy Spirit that no matter the ups and downs, you know that you're following the right path. And more than that, like Simeon, do you trust him in the waiting? What if we lived a life like that where we trusted the Spirit so completely? That even when it's not our timing, even when it takes a lifetime to see fulfillment, we praise him because we know what's coming. Maybe none of this makes sense to you. Maybe you haven't met this person of Jesus yet. You can imagine too. Imagine this. A life dedicated to something greater. A life where you have someone to lean on. Because this Jesus in the manger, this Jesus that Simeon met at the temple, he came to earth, he lived a sinless life, he died, he rose again, he ascended to the right hand of God so that you could be declared righteous before him. And I think that's a wonderful reminder for all of us this morning. I hope we can all take a lesson from Simeon, from a satisfied old man who trusted, who waited, and who got to meet the Messiah. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your word that you've given us, for the infinite wisdom that it contains. Apply this to our hearts this morning. Help us to leave here walk in a little bit closer to you, dedicated a little more to being closer to you, to spending time learning from the Holy Spirit, digging into the Word in earnest prayer. God, help us to ask for it, for a life like Simeon, where we trust you so completely. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.